0: from Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 and 42. When some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. turn this off temporarily so it doesn't shine in your eyes here. I just want to remind you about this Friday evening, 7, 7 o'clock, we're going to have a worship service. We're going to be singing uh, together and, and having uh, a worship, and so I hope that you will please put that on your calendar and join us that evening. We're going to be singing uh, some, a lot of songs, Some, and we're going to learn some new songs. Uh, and so we want to, uh, we, we ask you to help us by coming and being part of that uh, this coming Friday, October 25th. I've heard it said that life is about, life is too, my words are too loud right at the moment. Okay. Life is about solving problems. As a minister, I'm occasionally called upon to offer counseling to individuals who Are struggling with problems. Uh, They could be personal, they could be family, spiritual, or even marital problems. And when someone comes to me for counsel, oftentimes that person is hopeful that I can provide a solution to their problem. And ironically, you know, a counselor is really in no position to tell someone how to solve their problems because, you know, that counselor is not walking in their shoes. And so the goal in counseling is really not to tell someone what they need to do to solve their problem, but to ask questions that prompt them to analyze their own problem, their own situation, and discover for themselves what the best course of action is to solve the problem. I think many people look to God to either Solve their problem or provide some kind of a sign or direct communication that tells them what they ought to do. A while back, I spoke to someone who left this congregation. And I asked the person why they left because I I wanted to know whether it was something that I did or didn't do or something that we did or didn't do that prompted them to leave. And this person told me that it wasn't anything I or the church did or didn't do, but that God had told them to leave. And they believe God will tell them where they should go next. Now, I'm not in a position to refute that, but I admit that I have some questions about that. Paul explained to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, we know that while we are at home in the body... We are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So I'm going to give this person with whom I spoke the benefit of the doubt that they did not mean a a direct communication from God. If you're seeking some kind of direct communication from God as to what you should or should not do, then my question is, are you really walking by faith? God, you know, we know God works in every Christian's life, but we walk by faith, not by sight. Therefore, you need to be very cautious about interpreting some event or occurrence as a sign from God or asking God to give you some kind of a sign. One of the practices about which Jesus criticized the Pharisees was the fact that they were always asking him for a a sign from heaven to confirm his deity. In Mark 8.11, it reads, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And when you read that, you might think, well, you know, that really isn't that unreasonable. I mean, in the Old Testament, Gideon If you recall, asked for a sign. In fact, Gideon asked for two signs from God, and God gave him both of the signs for which he asked. You know, if you recall, he wanted the fleece to be wet and the ground dry, and the next night the ground to be wet and and the fleece to be dry. God told the people that when a prophecy of his comes true, that was a sign that God was speaking through the prophet. So so this asking for a sign by the Pharisees was not really an unheard of request. The problem the religious leaders had was their refusal to believe the signs Jesus had already given them and the ones he was giving to them. He gave sight to the blind. He made the lame walk. He drove demons out of people. He miraculously fed thousands of people with practically nothing. But those signs weren't good enough for the Pharisees. In fact, they accused him, actually, of using the power of the devil to perform those signs. To the religious leaders, those signs really didn't count. They wanted some kind of spectacular sign from heaven. Not a rainbow, you know, that, that was was very common. They wanted some some fire from heaven to come down or some bread from heaven similar to the manna in, in the wilderness that's what they wanted and notice Jesus's response in Mark eight twelve. he sighed deeply in his spirit kind of like you know come on you guys you know I, I've been performing signs for three years now right in front of your eyes where, where have you been I mean, Jesus was disappointed. He was frustrated with these religious leaders. Because no matter what he did, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't what they wanted. When he would heal someone on the Sabbath, rather than rejoicing that a person was healed and, and looking at the miracle that it was, they would accuse him of working on the Sabbath and breaking the law. So Jesus pointed out their hypocrisy in Matthew 11, verse 18. He says, John came and did not eat or drink like other people, so people say as a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and people say, look at him. He eats too much, he drinks too much, and he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So they criticized John for eating, not eating enough, and they criticized Jesus for eating too much. And Jesus then asked a question. In Mark 8, verse 12, Why does this generation seek a sign? A couple of months ago I I shared with you in the text in Luke 12 verses 54 through 56 when Jesus criticized these religious leaders because they had no problem interpreting physical signs such as when it's going to rain or when it's going to get really hot but they were really poor at interpreting spiritual signs particularly the sign that the Son of God was there in their midst. And here in Mark 8 is further evidence of their inability or or shall we say their refusal to interpret the spiritual sign that Jesus was performing, the signs that he was performing that proved that he came from God. So Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And after he made that statement in Mark, he left them, got into the boat and went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus refused to give them the sign they were asking about. In Matthew and Luke's Gospels, after Jesus said that no sign will be given to this evil and adulterous generation, he added, Except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so, the sign of Jonah was a reference to his death, burial, and resurrection, which would soon occur. And that would be a very powerful, visible sign that Jesus was the Christ. So Jesus, he chastised these religious leaders because they refused to believe the signs he had already given them and were demanding even greater, more spectacular signs. And Jesus told them, I'm not giving you any more signs than what I've already given you except my death, burial, and resurrection. And so my application this morning has to do with the question, do you really need signs from God today? In Romans 1 verse 16, Paul explained that he was not ashamed of the gospel, for it was the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Remember how faith is defined in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So to live by faith really is to live without a sign. Further on in Romans 1.18, Paul explained that God's wrath was being poured out on all ungodliness and unrighteousness because, as he explained it, In verse 19, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, of the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So there is a sign that has been given to you in regard to at least God's existence, it's creation. So it's not as though there are no signs at all. You know, God has given you signs of his existence. However, some people want a more specific sign to help them, I don't know, make a decision in regard to something going on, maybe in their personal life. But my question is, hasn't God already given you what you need to make those decisions? And to work out your problems. Peter wrote that God has already communicated to you everything you need, according to Peter in 2 Peter 1 3. His, he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. For us, the knowledge of Jesus, of course, is found in His Word. And Paul informed Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is breathed out by God profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, meaning equipped for every good work. So, so the written word is a sign that not only helps you know, better know Jesus, but thoroughly equips you for every good work. So, however, it doesn't stop there. God has also given you His Spirit. And what does His Spirit do for you? 1 Corinthians two eleven and 12, Paul said, For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we we've received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. So not only do we have the word but we also have the spirit to help us comprehend the word. In fact Paul says a few verses later in verse 16 that because of the Holy Spirit we actually have the mind of Christ. I mean, that's pretty amazing when you you think about it. If you have the Spirit of God, you have the tool to think like Jesus. You know, we we just need to be careful not to, as Paul informed the Thessalonians, quench or stifle the mind of Christ that is in us. So apparently it is possible to do that. It is possible to quench it or stifle it. And my belief is that we, we stifle God's Spirit when we fail to learn it. Or by ignoring it and not following it. Now granted, the Holy Spirit is described in the New Testament as having given direct communication at times. You know, for example, in Acts, the Holy Spirit caused Christians to speak in tongues and prophesy. Paul wrote in Acts 20 that in every city the Spirit testifies to me that imprisonment and afflictions await me. So there's a lot of direct communication from or through the Holy Spirit to the Christians during this period of time the church was being formed, and more importantly, during the time in which the writings of the New Testament were being written and compiled and disseminated to the people. And this went on for several centuries because we know in the Corinthian church they experienced speaking in tongues and prophesying. But once God's revelation had been fully delivered, the Spirit's role became more inwardly transformative than outwardly expressive. In the various letters Paul wrote, he talks about the Spirit sanctifying, renewing, bringing joy, and and, and equipping. There are some Christians who believe that tongue speaking and prophesying are still occurring but you know now that we have god's complete revelation that thoroughly equips us as we read i'm not convinced that there's a need for additional revelation so god has given you creation he's given you his word he's given you his mind through the holy spirit but he doesn't stop there god's also given you his church Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.11, you're familiar with this. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So God gave you His church to help you grow up, To help you mature in your faith. He wants you to grow grow up and if you keep reading he explains why. Verse 14. So that we may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By human cunning. By craftiness and deceitful schemes. And that's kind of a fancy way of saying so you won't believe a different gospel. Or or be led into crazy weird beliefs that are not biblical. When you're spiritually mature you certainly will be much more effective an effective servant in the kingdom. And you'll be better equipped to make good decisions about your own personal life. So you have creation you have his word you have his spirit you have the church and yet there's more. God also uses the trials that you experience in life to teach you, to train you in righteousness. Hebrews 12, 7, it's for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons and daughters. Verse 11, he says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. James wrote, you should appreciate it. God's discipline. In chapter 1, verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know, when my children were small, we, uh, you know, we had to we had to instruct them in, in, uh, in what they should or should not do. We had to correct them when they did things wrong and they often did do things wrong. But now that my children are adults, you know, they're in their 30s, they, they don't need our instruction anymore. In fact, you know, they, they'll probably be t- perturbed if we tried to give it to them. Because they know what to do. Just ask them. You see, God has given you all these tools, creation, His word, his spirit, the church, even trials to help you live a life that glorifies him and prepares you for eternity. So you don't need a sign from God or or some kind of a confirmation from God to tell you what to do. He's given you all the tools that you need. God expects you to use those tools to to grow up in your faith. He expects you to work at it and, and learn from your mistakes so you make better choices in the future. Now, I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to give you the impression, though, that, that God just hands you these tools and walks away and says, you know, you're on your own. I mean, that, that'd be like, you know, teaching your child how to swim by just throwing them in the deep end of the pool and hoping they, they learn. But you know what? God is willing to go even further. He's willing to grant you the wisdom That you need to make your own decisions. James 1:5. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, it'll be given to him. And I don't think he means in the form of a sign here. You know, as I've shared, God's wisdom can be imparted in a number of different ways: His word, your faith, life, circumstances. He can even impart wisdom through a friend, a fellow Christian or even a stranger. You know, God can even impart wisdom through your children. I mean, I learn things from my children. Now, if you want to call that a sign from God, okay, but that's not the kind of sign I'm speaking of. God is not limited in the ways that he can give you wisdom. You know, our adult children will sometimes ask our opinion on certain matters and we're happy to give it to them. They may or may not take our advice. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, Where there is no guidance, a people f- falls. But in an abundance of counselor, there is, there is safety. So if God gives you signs, then why would you need an abundance of counselors? God would rather grant you the wisdom that give you some kind of a sign that you may or may not, I'm sorry, God would rather grant you the wisdom than give you some kind of a sign that you may or may not interpret correctly. Example. This is kind of a silly example, but this is a true story. My sister, um, she and her husband were having dinner one night and after dinner was over, she wanted to go back and use the restroom before they left the, the restaurant. And so she walked back to where the restrooms were. And the restroom doors were, were in a corner. Uh, the door, there was one door here and there's one door on this side facing out. And on this door was, was a sign that had a hand pointing to the other door. And on it was written women. And of course on this one was a hand pointing in this direction you know, to that other door that said men. And she wasn't sure if, if the women's restroom was the one it was pointing to or the one on which this, the, the word was written, women. And so she just decided to guess, and she guessed wrongly, and she walked into the men's restroom. She misinterpreted the sign, which is exactly what can happen if God were to resort to signs. You know, another mistake you can make is to interpret a certain event in your life as a sign from God. You know, we know God works in our lives, as I mentioned earlier, but it's much easier to see His working in the past than it is in the present. Your Lord, Jesus, wants you to grow and mature so that that you can make your own decisions based on His will. If you could just go to God... Every time you have an issue and ask him to give you a sign as to what to do, then you, your growth would be stunted. God doesn't want to spoon feed you like, like a baby. He wants you to grow up and become competent to live the right kind of life and be competent to make your own decisions based on his will. We don't need miraculous signs from God like to live a life that pleases him. He's given you every tool you need to make good choices. His word, his spirit, his church, his discipline. And on top of that, wisdom when you ask for it. I mean, how much more confirmation do you need? God wants to save you, to work through you, and he wants you to mature in your faith. He seeks competent men and women to serve in the kingdom and in his churches. That's one of the reasons why he gave qualifications for elders, deacons, and their wives. They need to be spiritually mature men and women. No more signs are going to be given to you because you don't need any more signs other than the ones he's already given. Because he wants you to walk by faith, not by sight. This morning I can tell, I can tell you based on the signs of, from God of his death, burial, and resurrection No one loves you like God does. He wants you to be saved. He created you specifically to live forever with him. So it comes down to whether or not you want to spend eternity with him. you're already saved, then he wants you to be his representative, to tell others about him so that they can be saved also. He wants to work through you to build up his church because the church is his tool to impact the culture. So don't wait for some kind of a sign as to how he wants to work through you. He's gifted you for that very purpose. So I encourage you this morning to come to him so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be saved, so that you can receive the mind of Christ. So let's... Let's do that right now, give you a chance to respond as we stand and as we sing.